0: Kingway, Fox, Beard, Locker's acting very weird
1: Captain Pike, Siskel's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog,
2: Ransom is very harsh Ford Drive, Black Alert, Georgio has gone berserk
0: Teach about Edward is an idiot. Fock is dead
1: wolf is wet, Jacko's wearing red.
0: See this cat, can pack that Q is that enough of that? P me up, make it so everybody, let's go. We, we talk, talk about, about the series. The you can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. The We're coming to you on one the street now. We talk about the series. The well, good evening,
3: Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Welcome to Trek Talking. It is Thursday night, October 5th. 2023. It is currently 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That means we are live and you can call in and chat with us. You can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We would love to hear from you. Before I go too far, I want to wish everybody a happy October, and make sure you go and watch Cat's Paw. The only Halloween-themed Star Trek episode they made specifically for Halloween. So go and check that out if you haven't seen it. As of right now, guys, we have 167,990 followers on our Facebook page, which is absolutely, incredibly awesome. And before I introduce you guys to my incredible truck experts, I want to give you a little heads up as to what we're going to be talking about tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Lower Decks episode, and Empathical, very short Treks episode, Holograms all the way down. And, of course, we have our Star Trek birthdays, our fan shout-outs, and some Star Trek news. But before we dive right in, I want to go right around and introduce you to my incredible experts. And we're going to start out in Las Vegas with Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles?
4: I'm doing all right, we're enjoying a little bit of a repeat summer as the temperatures are going back up to about almost 90. Then next week we'll finally get back to
3: the 80s. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, if you guys listened last week, my Vegas experts outnumbered my Portland experts. But everything is back in normal again. And we have our triple play, our tri. Back together again in Portland And we'll start off with the donut guy himself Who, yes, is enjoying a donut as we speak David, how you doing, David?
5: Mm, Just looking at my donut Um, Pretty good Step away from the donut (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm doing pretty good Uh, I've been, uh, you know, moving quite a bit over the week So I'm now resting and so glad that's over with so, yeah. And you're, you're ready
3: for some intense Trek talking. Yep. Yeah, excellent. And we also have from Portland as well, our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Uh,
1: Jim, I am doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, feeling a real sense of camaraderie with our global audience here because I know that wherever you are, it is Romulan 8 o'clock somewhere so <laughs> that's
3: very cheers very, to trek very, friends. cheers to trek very true and and with us again back from a sabbatical we have our very own paul and you're never going to guess where he's from that's right las vegas i don't know if you said portland you're correct how you doing tonight paul
2: I think I heard somebody say Uranus, but that's not right. Um, no, I'm that's also I from Portland. Hang out. Yeah. How okay. you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's been a crazy busy couple of weeks. I can't even articulate it. And today, uh, my alter ego is I'm a human pincushion. I received uh, not one, not two, but three vaccines today uh, to make sure I'm ready for the crazy winter that is coming. And uh so that I don't succumb to any crazy uh, viruses or things. So I am armored up, baby, and uh, fully ah,
3: ah. fully prepped,
2: ready for fun.
3: The, the Borg nanites are in action.
2: Exactly. You can track <laughs> me anywhere.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: All right, guys, now that we've got that out of the way, every you can go to our Facebook page, obviously, and at the top of the page, You'll see the Live Long and Prosper pinned there asking you where you're listening from. All you've got to do is drop a line, make it like creative, and leave some emojis because that catches my eye. You're more likely to get mentioned. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you will be featured in a future stand. Shout out. So, Eric, who do we want to say thank you to this week? We're right
1: at the top of the order here. We got top fan Raf Verdunck, who's saying hello to us from Mierhout, Belgium, all the way from Belgium. Uh, we don't get a lot of folks from Belgium uh, saying hello to us on the podcast. So, Ralph, thank you so much for being uh, one of the leaders there in your country. And top fan status means that, of course, you interact with us a lot on our Facebook page, meaning you like a lot of things. Maybe you repost, maybe a forward, maybe you leave a comment here and there. Uh, we always like to interact with our fans, and Roth is one of those who we interact with quite a bit. So thank you so much for saying hello to us. Also saying hello this week to top fan David Rennie, who's saying hello to us from Fife, Scotland. Fife, Scotland, also David being a top fan, uh, carrying that torch over there in the land of uh, misty rain and mysterious things. Thank you, David, so much for the support that you give our podcast. Live long and prosper as well to Patricia Almatos who is saying hello to us from Santarém, Portugal. Portugal, one of those countries I Paul, have you been to Portugal? I can't remember. There's a just No, of I have not. Gone. It's one of those I countries I would I love to I would love to go to, kind of hit the whole like Spain, Portugal peninsula there at some point in my life, I hope to. Uh Patricia, it looks lovely there. I cannot wait to visit and thank you so much for carrying our torch over there in your country. And last but not least on my list is Jeffrey Page. Jeffrey Page is saying hello to us from Chelmsford, Essex, just across the pond in the UK. Live long and prosper to you. Peace and long life right back at you, brother. Uh, Thank you so much for saying hello to us this week. Charles, I'm going to spin that globe back to you, and I think you're starting somewhere in the southeast, eh?
4: Well, let's start off with a welcome to Nathaniel Austin. <clears throat> from Jacksonville Florida it's probably warm in Florida a greetings to Addie Mae from north-central Alberta Canada as she hails a Canadian flag oh welcome to Doc James from Maine and a very warm greeting to Jerry Ferguson, John Key from Chicagoland. Oh, I've been watching some YouTube videos on Sentation. Would love to pass a Union Station sometime in Amtrak. David, who's on your list?
5: Yeah, sure. So i got a lot of top fans over here. So I'm going to start off with uh, thank you for a top fan, Deborah Aguirre. Uh, Garcia all the way from California with a uh, Vulcan sign The next uh, top fan is going to be Brenda J. Thompson Pellick from Toledo, Ohio and next on the list is the top fan J. Marie jo- uh, Dukowski from Connecticut USA with an American flag uh, last on my list And the top fan, Edward Russell from Pocono Mountain, Pennsylvania. Paul, who's on your list? Well,
2: first of all, my friends, we have the flag of Poland billowing in the wind proudly because we are saying hello to our good friend Adrian E. Gerard Rinkiewicz in uh, Warsaw, Poland absolute fantastic bastion of Europe there. Really great to hear from you, Adrian. Thanks for sharing your fandom and enthusiasm of all things Star Trek with us. It is great to hear from you. Uh, Not too far away uh, from Poland, we're going to move on over to Sauerland, Germany, where Annette Ho is uh, saying hello. Live long and prosper, Annette. And thanks for being a fan of Trek Talking and uh, all of the things that we love about Star Trek. It's great to hear from you. Ooh, in warmer climes over there in, uh, I believe in in Andalusia, if I'm not mistaken, right there on the old water. It's uh, Malaga, Spain, where Damati Enriquez is uh, hanging their hat. It is great to hear from you. Thank you for being a fan. And uh, I would love to watch uh, an episode of Star Trek in Spanish completely all the way through. I bet that it would just be a remarkable and incredibly cool experience. I wonder if YouTube can help me do that. I think that would be really, really great. So I just always love the fact that people are experiencing these stories in such a global fashion, uh, you know, from Asia to Europe to uh, you know, the American South where they speak a whole different language. <laughs> just, you know, kidding. Um yeah, I mean all the different ways people in their different areas uh and different languages experience Star Trek. It's just amazing. And finally for me, I wanna say a huge shout out, uh big uh hello to Elaine Urdan in Lyon, France, uh magical part of the world. I would just love to spend some time there right now. Um, If uh, Elaine uh, puts your head out the window and yell, they can hear you over in uh, Geneva. You're not that far away from the Swiss border, Elaine. Uh, uh, But the winter over there is unprecedented. I I can't wait to see it with my own eyes. So hello, Star Trek fans from uh, every corner of America to every corner of the globe. It's great that we all have this in common right uncle jim
3: absolutely and before we finish off our fan shout out um eric charles you guys didn't we have the uh the portuguese the brazilian uh voice actor for for Riker on the podcast i think it was we Portugal. sure did yeah, yeah well,
1: it was. Well, he speaks Portuguese, yeah, uh, and I, I'm fiercely Googling, trying to find his name right now, but yeah, we absolutely had him on the podcast, and he was so cool, and he actually delivered a couple of Riker lines in Portuguese on the podcast, which is like, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, Paul, like if you were watching it in somebody else's native language, what would it sound like? So we did get to hear the guy who plays uh, Brazilian Riker. Uh, we had him on the podcast. Yeah, cool. Cool. <laughs> and
4: those and, and awesome. those episodes are available on TrekTalking dot com, and you can <laughs> search That's for it. Right.
3: You can go find it. And what was cool is he he was so thrilled that we wanted to talk to him because he's he doesn't consider himself. What he was? Yeah, he was totally because he's not really writer. He's, Here he's it is, Jose
1: Augusto. Jose what? Augusto, we had Sense him Eve. on, yeah, uh, yeah, we had him on the podcast uh, about a year ago, so, but it's
3: there. Certainly. Yeah, and he did
2: yeah. uh, Chakotay as well.
1: Oh, uh, He does.
3: He Very was cool. awesome. He was a lot of fun, so uh, you guys can go check that out. You can find that episode on com. just, you know, a little plug there. So, anyways. Because uh, Paul was mentioning it, so I wanted to throw that out there. Check it out. He was awesome and a lot of fun. So continuing with our final fan shout-outs of the evening, i got to make this bigger because it's so small on my phone and I'm blind as a bat. We, we don't want to hear hear me trying to uh, adjust my glasses. Anyways, we want to say ha- uh, happy birthday. Wait a minute. See? I'm senile. We're not on birthday. Hi yet. Hi, yet. <laughs> No no birthdays. We're doing we're doing fan shout outs. Birthday, Beheadings say, are on Wednesdays. Yes, Keep it together, Jim. <laughs> I'm long on that. We're still doing we're doing fan <laughs> shout outs right now. So I wanna say thank you and caplah to a really awesome fan who's listening who recently moved to West Monroe, Louisiana, but originally hailed from Long Beach, California. We wanna say Thank you so much to Andrew Jimenez for being a fan of Trek Talking. Thank you so much, Andrew. We also want to say thank you to Jessica Mahadi from St. Louis, who flashes the Vulcan symbol, and uh, top fan Megan Stover, who's listening to us from where, Eric?
1: From my home state of Oregon, Oregon, yeah. Oregon right here. It, she doesn't say where, but uh, Oregon's a big state, so it could be anywhere. It could be Eastern Oregon, it could be Southern Oregon, it could be right here in Portland. We don't know. So Megan, nice to have you here. I can feel your yeah, yeah, yeah. you're around somewhere. Your energy is palpable.
3: It's the water, Got it. or the donuts. It or is, I'm telling
1: you, know. man, there's <laughs> a critical Much. mass of awesomeness here. It's true.
3: Megan is a top fan, and that means she interacts with us a lot on our Facebook page. One of the best ways you can do that is um, I throw up these polls and I ask you to grade each episode on a scale of 1 to 10. So I bet you Megan takes place in our, um, definitely not least, um, how did I end up with this one? Uh, We want to say kabla and thank you to Pat Webb in New Zealand. That's not in the USA. I don't know how that happened. I must have been trying to put that on for Paul, and it ended up with me. But that's okay. We appreciate you (laughs) listening, Pat. Thank you so much. And once again, if you guys would like to hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page and drop us a little line. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Eric, as I said we uh, like to have a lot of involvement from our fans because our fans are very important to us. And every week Friday, uh, right around coffee break time, like around nine o'clock, I'll post the question. What did you think about this week's episode of star Trek and ask you to score it. And we are a week behind because we have a lot of international listeners and we want to have them enjoy the podcast oil free. So, uh, we're talking about last week's episode today and tomorrow I'll have a post about
1: Uh, well top fan Philip Dino Marino said a 9.8 for empathological fallacies only because the episodes are not an hour long and a 10 for its brilliant writing I love all the references to classic treks thanks Philip Uh, Claudia Baroni says a big 10 with a gold star I just loved the Charlie's Angels reference Somebody's gonna have to pull that one out for me. I didn't, I didn't catch that, but I, that, man, hopefully we can find that. That sounds really cool. Top fan Mike Lancaster said a nine. This uh, way, indeed, an absolutely brilliant. This week, I think, indeed, an absolutely brilliant episode. But the Moopsy is still tops so far. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Top fan, Paul Moses said a 7. The hilarity wore thin quickly, and so did Tallinn's Crisis. Still well done. Dustin S. Wing gave it a 7.5. Quite good. Better than most of the season so far. Great callbacks. Tim Mullins said 8.5. Those damn Vulcans. Messing things up that they not even trying to mess up. One of the Betazoids sounded like one of the ladies from Hot in Cleveland. Thanks, Tim jeffrey jenkins give it a 9.9 paul j friday said 7.5 fun top fan alexander miscelli roke give it a nine and gail stoltz said eight fun episode though sometimes a little too cray for me that gives us this week guys a fan score of 8.6 and uh that's pretty cool because that is second only to the fan score that was given to our season uh, opener, Tubix. So there you go. That got an 8.9. This got an 8.6. That's pretty good from the fans.
3: Not too shabby if I do say so myself.
1: And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, this is just something for fun that I just like to do and have some fun. So, uh, we're going to toss the first softball here over to David. You ready, David? Woo-hoo! All right, here we go. According to Trot, what
5: are Starfleet carpets good for? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: um, Basically, just fun to pass out on.
3: That's right. That's
5: fun to pass out on. So, that was...
3: That's a nice little trivia question you can ask your friends the next time you're at a party. Why are Starfleet ships carpeted? So you can pass out easier. <laughs> All right. This one, I'm going to toss this one over to Charles. What picture does Helen have hanging on the wall in her quarters?
4: I actually missed this one. I didn't see the picture on her wall. <clears throat> Two, I guess I would have either Spock or
3: Sarek. You're kind of close, Eric. Do you know
1: the answer to this one? Yeah, if I remember, I think it's, well, I remember seeing it, and I was like, hey, that looks kind of familiar. Isn't it like a a picture of, like, Vulcan's Forge
3: Enterprise? That's exactly what it is. It's the Vulcan Forge from Star Trek, the motion picture.
1: Oh, from motion picture.
3: Okay. Where he did his Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. And they they showed it several times, and and there it was right there. So yep, that's what it was. The Vulcan Forge, Star Trek, the motion picture.
1: In my so, defense, Eric, also recalled in Star Trek Enterprise.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, but that was that was a lot earlier. This is this was mm. the one much much later. So you're on oh. a hot streak. You got you, you stole that one from Charles. Let's oh, see sorry, how you Charles. do on this one. Okay. In the ancient past, we're talking ancient past here, what relationship did the Caetians and the Betazoids have? Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a Dr. Sahana fan,
1: so
3: that's why oh my I got this one at
1: That was such a funny part of this episode. So yeah, apparently uh, in the ancient past, uh, the Caetians actually hunted the Betazoids for food. <laughs> So I feel like I need to know a little bit more about that. But actually it's not surprising in some ways because there's actually some cool um, sort of beta can out there about how the cations are actually a sort of break off faction of the Kazinti from the animated series so that they actually are related as cat people and that they were like the more peaceful Kazinti who were like, screw you guys in your warlike society. We're gonna get out of here. Um so, you know, maybe early Cations when they were still breaking off, they passed by Beta Z Beta Z and they were like, Mm, tasty.
3: <laughs> 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 and and I, I saw. A- don't forget that the episode of uh, TNG Transfigurations, Deanna Troy was turning into a. Fish. Mm. So the, oh yeah, so there you go. Oh, so fish.
1: Yeah, you're right. So, <laughs>
0: so
5: maybe in made next connection
3: this <laughs> is future. They were fish people. Like oh man, now have... <laughs> I
5: want some tuna.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh boy. Oh man.
3: All right. So right, I'm gonna toss this off to Paul. No. He's positioned. He's ready to catch this easy one.
2: So, Paul, sorry, man. I, uh, you know, was, I have bendy. I have Bendy's syndrome, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to answer this correctly. But I'll, I'll try. <laughs> okay.
3: I may All just start right.
2: screaming for no reason.
3: So, who wore the hat that said "It's Romulan ale o'clock somewhere"?
2: And where did she get it? Love All me. right. I I know at least half of this one because it's a very memorable character name of the three Betazoid uh, ladies who have, like, uh, been wreaking havoc. It's the perhaps, let's say, more uh, overtly suggestive of the three with the wonderful name of Cat Rod. (laughs) 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 Yes, that's right. Which means maybe she should get a job in sickbay on the uh, Cerritos, possibly. (laughs) Ambassador Catrod, I don't know what you mean. Um, I don't know where she got it. Angel One? I'm going to say Angel One. Angel One, that's right. She picked it up on Angel One. Oh man, that's I can't believe correct. I got.
3: That. <laughs> <laughs> they're softballs. I'm just lobbing them out there. They're oh, they're after the week they're I've they're had, man,
2: I'm lucky I can remember what show it even is. I'm like, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: all right.
3: So, uh, David, David, you ready? Yeah. I figured. I figured after your favorite line from the last one was "Hump Dungeon," I figured this was a perfect place to do it. Wow! David, who said, "Hey, is it just me or is it incredibly horny in here?" <laughs>
5: Um, I want to say it from the exact same episode of last week. <laughs> it was Mitch McConnell. Yeah. It was Mitch McConnell. <laughs> oh,
4: man. It was Mitch McConnell. <laughs> oh,
1: man. I cannot there's remember. There's incredibly horror in here. Well, I mean, I think there's only like one person who would say that. I That's my guess. I didn't – I don't know, but –
5: it sounds like a Mariner line, but um, it's not Mariner. I want to say it was one of the Beta but I cannot remember uh, her name. Although it was the one wearing the blue dress, I want to say. Uh,
3: yes, you're absolutely correct. Was I it? will give okay. that to you. Awesome. Her name is Ah, uh, Okay. Name.
1: It sounds like a ransom line to me.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> when I watch the episode, I try to I try to get trivia questions though I think. In this particular you right away when I heard that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay, so keeping with that with that basic line of thought. Charles, you ready for yours? Yep. All right. So who said, Can you imagine anything more Vulcan than Bendy Syndrome? Hell, Mr. Foxdad had it and he's as Vulcan a motherfucker as anyone. <laughs> And of course, they bleeped it on the show, but we can say it here on the air. Oh, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> I believe that might have been Lieutenant Junior Grade Merrick Be- Becker.
3: Exactly. And I never <laughs> laughed so hard. <laughs> I was like, oh my wow, gosh. I love that whole scene <laughs> where they're locked in the closet and she vulcaned it all up. And I loved it. Uh, and like,
1: perhaps I am Vulcan as a...
3: <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. That, that, that was great. All right, Eric,
3: you ready for another one? Yeah, man, I'm ready. All right. What disease did Dr. Tahana scan the betazoids for?
1: Ooh, I get another occasion question. Uh, it is, <laughs> well, not really a occasion question. It's the one, it's not Bendai syndrome because that's the, oh, yeah, it is, is it, wait, hold on. It, no. What disease did Taana scan the betazoids? Oh, right, the betazoids are the ones who get the Xanthi fever.
3: That's right, Xanthi fever is correct. And and Paul, Paul, you got oh, oh, one. You ready? Oh, you ready? Hold on, let me slap myself
2: across oh. the okay. face. Yes. Okay, there right. we go.
3: <laughs> what, <laughs> what agency do the three betazoids that board the Cerritos secretly work?
2: Oh, it's excellent that you would ask me this question because I just, among my many interests is various intelligence agencies throughout the cosmos of uh, something I'm, <laughs> I have a, just a, a personal vested interest in, let's just say. And uh, one of the ones that I just happen to know a little bit about is the, the infamous BIA or the uh, Z Intelligence Agency um, mm-hmm,
3: uh, uh-huh.
2: uh, that operated out of, shockingly, uh, Z during the 24th century. And it's the uh, BIA yeah. that these
3: agents were really working for. Mm-hmm. That's the one that Mitch McConnell wants to defund. So I just take <laughs> all our funding. <laughs> all right, Charles. And this one, this one, I thought of you right away, right away, oh, you popped thanks. in. Thanks. And this is this is just a fun one. Uh, it's not a particular <coughs> person, but because uh, I couldn't find the the character's name. So, anyways, this is your question. Who said? And of course, for Sector eighty-seven, will lurk over there.
4: Uh, you're giving me Romulan questions. <laughs> so I could yeah. use that yeah. Romulan ale.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, I think that was the captain of the Romulan ship. Who was the yeah, other side I of the neutral zone?
3: <laughs> I, I I read the credits. I looked it up on. I could find the. They the, it was an uncredited character. So. Yes, it was it was the captain. Trivia with Uncle Jim this week, and now it's time for Cadet Training with Charles.
4: All right, as Jim took some of my thunder, talking about some of the different links in here. Uh, we're going all over the place today. Let's start off with TNG Haven Season one Episode eleven. That's our first visit with Luaktana Troy. The one that we believe the three ladies were kinda molded after. In lower decks, we uh Wedge Douge Season two Episode Nine. That's our first appearance of Talyn since this is a tolin episode enterprise Kinbo, season 1 episode 1 and 2 i thought this was an interesting thought we're comparing T'Pol to paul to tolin neither are members of the organization both choose to stay on their their perspective ship I found interesting comparison with those two. Uh-huh. TNG Captain's Holiday, season three, episode nineteen. Our first mention, Risa. DS Nine, Fascination, season three, episode ten. We learn about Xanthi Fever. Of course, TNG Sarek. Season three, episode twenty-three, is a course where we learned about Bendai syndrome. This is an interesting one that I didn't think about. But in the episode, when they pull out the box that here are your two choices. And one of the two choices was a puzzle of Reed and the and the, NX, the NX01 Enterprise. Well, why? Enterprise, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed. Reed was the first security officer of the Future Federation. In fact, I heard the quote on there. He mentioned, oh, a Reed alert, (laughs) a.k.a. Red alert. I didn't think about that when I saw the episode, but I looked up teasers like, oh, that's an interesting one.
1: He's a fantastic also, character, Charles. He just like is like Reed is one of my favorites. He has such a cool arc over the course of those four seasons, and he's kind of like he's an interesting guy. And they give you just a little bit of his backstory during the the show too. He's he's just one of my favorites. I love that moment seeing the the Reed well, puzzle. That's, and, that's and exactly
4: work. why that moment was there. It's like okay, that is a nice moment there. There were a couple of minor references to the game. An abu-jitsu.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that abu-jitsu char- guy in the background. That was funny.
4: <laughs> uh, one of the characters was wearing a game glasses. Oh, yeah. You know the glasses cool. that go into the guy? Somebody was actually wearing that in one of the scenes. So it sounds like with a lot of details in there, maybe we ought to talk about this episode.
3: And I, Wasn't Malcolm Reed as far as Star Trek lore goes? The first member of
2: Section Thirty-One.
1: Yeah, well, he's the first one that we see, kind of recruited because he's actually recruited by somebody else. So, yeah.
3: right. I, as far as we, as far as we, as far as we're are, concerned,
1: like he's like canonically, he's the first person that we see recruited into the organization. Yep.
3: Yeah, as far as we know, right? Because Enterprise happens prior to everything else. All right, guys. So we're me... gonna talk about. We've we, we, we played some trivia, we've had some fun, and we've got some references, and now we're going to talk about the episode, and we're going to give our scores. Now, the fans scored at uh, 8.3, so let's see what 8.6. we have to do in set 8.6, wow, okay. And since Paul wasn't with us last week, we're going to start with Paul, so what do you think, Paul? I thought this was fun. I uh, I
2: I have to say that I enjoyed uh, the regular characters of the crew way more than the guest betazoids, who got a little you know I I, I think they wore out their welcome for me fairly quickly. Um, but I love uh, watching uh, the members of the crew just completely losing their listen, losing their minds. You know, it like if, if it were even possible, Mariner gets even louder and more party girl persona, right? When she's in her, you know, heightened emotional state. And Rutherford is just like, you just, you know, had that, you know, uh, MDMA, right? And he's just, he, I love everything and everyone. And, and Tendy's even more friendly than, than possible, right? And, uh, you know, it's just, they're just completely un, unhinged, which is a lot of fun. Um uh I like it whenever we have dr Tana uh I want more of Dr. Tana in every episode frankly, I think she's just hysterical and just the whole you know latent predator of her in this episode was just great. I thought that was just really fun um so it was cute i, I thought it was really good um uh you out of her. That stuck with me. I don't know that everything else stuck with me though I thought it was really fun um uh i'm I'm wanting to know a little bit more about the whole you know uh ongoing uh arc of this whole mystery ship that they're you know re- referring to and and what's going on with that right what's really the deal? uh I think we need to know a little bit more uh about how that fits into the plot just to open up the plot since there is more plot because we're just getting the same reference over and over to that, but we're not diving in any deeper yet. And I think it's time to dive in a little bit deeper, uh, right? Um, it really is, this is the Tallinn season, right? I mean, this really seems like it's. she's becoming as much of a main character as any of the others are. And I feel like she's almost like taken some of Boimler's screen time. I mean, does anyone else feel that way?
1: Yeah, I think oh, she has. Absolutely. And I, I don't know that I'm against it, uh, but yeah, she absolutely has.
2: I mean, she's funny as hell. I mean, that's the thing is don't don't take it as a complaint, by all means, because I I think she's great and the character is just you know deadpan hilarious, right? Um, I really enjoy that character. Um, I think uh, it's just interesting, you know, because you kind of feel like they've got their dynamic going on on this show, and then here's a whole new main character, right? And but they're doing some fun things with her. To, kind of look at how Vulcans are perceived and she's sort of getting to have little, you know, learning moments each week. And, uh, you know, she's kind of on a similar journey to understand herself that uh, we've seen a lot of other characters in past treks beyond like, you know, like Spock's been on and Data's been on. So she's kind of on her own voyage of self-discovery and acceptance within a social group, which is totally new to her. So I'm finding her really interesting um, as a character um, I always want more of, uh, Carol Freeman cause she is just hilarious. Uh, uh so, so yeah, um, I think uh, for me, it's just really enjoyed the, uh, you know, watching everyone kind of lose control of the main characters and including, uh, more of, uh, of uh, to lynn which is just great. Um she's fitting in great and uh, perfectly happy for more of her. Um but the the guest character is not so much. Um you know, it's just like a lot of unnecessary fighting and kicking and nonsense. So oh, I just uh, so what would I give this episode? I think I would probably give it uh, uh I think I would probably give it an 8, I think it just seems like it's appropriate. Yeah, let's give it an 8. Uh, if we will, and uh, and let's hope we keep moving forward with the story and becoming a little bit more interesting. And uh, let's let's get a episode, or not tendy. Let's get a, a Doctor Taana episode going. <laughs> that's, what, that's really what I I think at some point. How have we never really had that? I think True. I think it's a, a a void that needs to be filled. <laughs> yeah, the
1: most Taana that we've kind of gotten is by way of Shax. I think,
2: but we haven't yeah. gotten a
1: real focus on her.
2: So maybe we need to have an episode where the two of them like go awol or something or something. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah. Something. Well, they had you that know.
5: hologram episode. So I guess that was both of them together.
2: Yeah, but I, I would yeah. love them to dig a little deeper and have you even get more surreal with uh, with that character because it's just uh, she can't not be funny on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so i would i would welcome more of that so yeah um i'll, I'll get, i think i can go with an eight sounds uh, appropriate um but uh but yeah i'm just curious to see where this season as a whole is going you want you to know, add a decimal
5: into that no
2: that's, not, not, no, my, no that's not my jam baby <laughs> uh, i don't I'm, I'm pretty easy to make decisions right the it's like when i have you ever drive a stick shift david you ever drive one of those i tried yeah well, I think stick shift is cool, and if I ever had to have another stick shift again, I'd be down with it right because you got first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear there ain't no second point five gear there ain't no three point five <laughs> gear there ain't no four point five gear if you miss your gear, you strip your clutch, and I just think it's great so uh, You know, I like those definitive convictions. That's just, uh, you know, that's what fuels me. So let's give it a solid
3: 8.00. <laughs> All right. There you have it. And uh, since David got to talk to us using the time-traveling DeLorean last week, uh, we're going to hey. let David jump in here and uh, share his live interpretation of this episode. Take it away, David.
5: Okay, let me uh let me play the tape that I recorded a little yesterday. No, kidding. Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So yeah, this episode, I don't know. I'm I'm having mixed feelings with it for some reason. It wasn't my favorite, but uh, I don't know. I watched it the second time, even the second time, it was just like uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I had to rewind a couple times when I watched it, but because they talk so fast, I'm like, okay, what did he say? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just. It was a lot of uh, catching up to do. It felt like work almost to me for some reason. So to me, it was just kind of like I didn't really get time to enjoy it as much as I thought I would. But I think out of all of this, my actual favorite part of the episode was when it almost crossed the Romulan neutral zone. And then the warbird decloaked. Warbird de- de- and-, and then all the crew goes, aww. <laughs> So that, was, that was pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, this episode, it felt, yeah, I was suspecting it was the beta zoids that were causing all of this and everything like that, and I completely forgot about how Vulcan could also do the exact same thing. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Falk also do something similar, or was it another Vulcan or something? No.
4: that was Sarek.
5: Yeah, I brought mean,
4: up the episode Sarek. Yeah. But, you know, yeah.
1: Charles, there is something worth mentioning, I think, about Spock, uh, which I think proves something about, you know, people – some people have been talking about, like, the the range of influence and, like, how powerful Talin's thing was. Remember that uh, in the original series, as I – I don't remember which episode it was, but I remember Spock was able to kind of, like – influence a guard through a wall right he was a vulcan who didn't have to touch somebody to have like a mental influence on them so it seems to me that vulcans like not only have that mind meld situation but they absolutely kind of you know radiate mental waves or whatever <laughs> hmm. that affect other people and they can do it intentionally if they want to
5: interesting oh yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i completely forgot about how Vulcans vulcan could do that but yeah um so I don't know. I mean yeah, this was a, uh this was a to Lynn episode and it was interesting, but it wasn't as interesting as I was hoping. <laughs> so I'm not gonna be giving a ten for this one. I'm actually gonna be giving this one, um, kinda close to what Paul is, I think, and um unless somebody can convince me otherwise I might raise it a lower, which is <laughs> but <laughs> um <clears throat> Other than that, uh yeah, there's not much of this episode that I can really remember, and I've seen it at least good two or three times already past week, and I don't know it just didn't stick with me, so I'm gonna go with an eight point three I think
3: we got an eight we got an eight point three all right that's pretty cool that's still that's still very reasonable. How about you, Charles? What do you think? <clears throat>
4: Well, it was definitely an interesting episode. Okay, here's an interesting little thing that was popped up in there. How old is Talyn? Sixty two. Sixty two. Interesting irony. Uh, we go back over to Enterprise. And how old is to Paul?
1: Is she sixty two?
4: is also 62.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I love
4: it. I thought that's very interesting. And I think that, I think, well, that, thanks to help some of the Easter Easter eggs, when they were comparing the two, those two Vulcans together, and it's like, and they talked about the ages of some of the different Vulcans we had got, we've had in the series. And that both of them were 62. It's like, oh, that's interesting. But I like that comparison without really direct referencing, but we get those two very, very similar. Because in Broken Boat, DePaul decides she was going to return back to command. It's like, no, I think I'm going to stay with the Enterprise. And Leanne's doing the same thing. She's wanting to stay with the ship and get a little more understanding of the crew. I love the references to zan the and Van uh syndrome. And, of course, Jim, already talked about one of my notes, which is the BIA. Didn't realize I had an agency on Betazoid, but I guess they did. I think the story, as Paul's saying, he's worrying about the story progressing. I think the story is progressing. It's just they want to get it through the whole season. I don't think we're going to find out the entire story till episode 10. They're going to wait on the finale to finish it. But I've had some series that have done that. Even Discovery did that a couple of times where they you wait to the end until you know, realize who the Red Angel is. What was the cause of the burn? They gave you plenty of hints as they get there. Can <clears throat> uh, take as many notes as time, but just a good episode. I like what they're doing with it. I the three betazoids didn't really in, didn't really catch my eye as much as I liked the crew issues in dealing with the different crew, different how the crew members interact. And we get the party scene. And I'm going to throw this one in because this was part of our chat during the week. But we actually finally show a crew member wearing a habib. Hijab. I the pronunciation right. Hijab. Hip, uh, hijab. And yep. Hijab. Okay. And... To finally getting that reference from a fan a couple years ago, I like that being put in there. Just make reference to the fans too. Okay, we're looking out. To mention the fans too. Let's bring let's bring her in.
1: Yeah, Charles. Just to give place. some just to give some background to the listeners in case they didn't see that. So a year or two ago, there was an internet thing that went around where a woman was cosplaying Geordie Laforge. But she did it um, – she's Muslim, and she did it with her hijab on, and people kind of freaked out about it on the internet, and and so that's what Charles is referencing.
4: Because people are 12. Least... Well,
1: myriad reasons I guess,
4: well, <laughs> which we shall not get into now.
1: Oh my god. I know.
4: But it was her choice to wear it, and yep. I respect saying hey. We've got a crew member who's going to respect their religion and their their choice, so I thought that was a good addition in there that they're looking not only to looking at the Star Trek episodes, but they're taking a look at fandom too Ah, mm-hmm. uh, let's see this week I'll put in my average scores
3: of an eight point five wow we're we're pretty consistent. Pretty consistent. Well, Eric, you want to jump in here next? Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I dug this episode.
1: I so I you know one of the things that I think Lower Decks has done particularly well is that they have taken a moment to sort of dig into each character over the course of their run here. Like we got some we got some Rutherford time before we get we've definitely had some Mariner and her mom issues and kind of her whole jam. We got some, um, I don't know, we got some tendy time. Um, so uh, the fact that they brought kind of Tallinn on as this extra character and that they're digging into her a little bit, I'm I'm pretty cool with that. And actually, this episode to me felt almost like part two of the Ways Douge episode um, because you know talyn has been around, but she's kind of been like the straight man comedic relief over the last two or three episodes and. She definitely I don't it, while it has felt like a tolin heavy season I think because she's been more involved this was the first one where they really like kind of dug into her thing so I thought that was hilarious I totally missed the, that she was the same age as to Paul but I absolutely got the similarities in reference to her and to Paul and in fact um the 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 similarity was was so much that I when I was describing this episode to somebody, I accidentally said to Paul instead of to Lynn as I was talking about this character. <laughs> so for whatever that's worth. Um, we had an A, B, and a C story in this one, which we've kind of poked around a little bit, to Lynn being the A story. We got the B story, which to me was um, Captain Freeman and the the trifecta of Betazoid ladies. And here's what I'll say about them. Okay, so I didn't per- personally find like the... Uh, uninhibited, you know, party scenes hilarious too too much or anything. I mean, they felt very reminiscent of episodes like uh, The Naked Time and Naked Now where, you know, crew just sort of goes nuts because some weird stuff is happening on the ship. So it it just felt a little um, okay, I see where this is going, you know, I, I kind of see the formula here. So the first third or so of the episode was a little dull to me, but then it really took off and I think it's I think it's not only because of the Talin story, but I think it's because Freeman gets involved more with the Betazoid ladies. And to me, to have these sort of like four, um, you know, 40 plus year old women on the screen at the same time kind of interacting with one another and Freeman being the voice of reason and the other three being hilariously, um, out of control. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed that. So I, I dug the B story quite a bit, uh, in this episode as well. The C story with Boimler and the security guys and stuff, it it was cute. Uh, to me, it didn't really add too much to the, you know, to the interest (laughs) stack, so to speak. Um, I will say that Boimler has a tendency to kind of make assumptions in this show, as do I guess a lot of the characters, particularly Mariner and Boimler, it seems like in this show, they tend to make assumptions, and a lot of episodes are kind of based on them, their assumptions being disproven. So um, this is just another one of those where Boimler is sort of like, oh, you know, security is kind of weak, and they do slam poetry and stuff which by the way was hilarious cuz i immediately as soon as i said bland poetry i was like oh yeah that's right wasn't Wharf doing some poetry back in the day <laughs> so to me that harkened way back to like Wharf's poetry stuff um but then of course when security kicks into to gear you know he's he's impressed um when that whole scene is going down and they grab the guns and they go out into the 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 ship to kind of you know pacifier or whatever they're gonna do. I love it when you get you get Tana totally freaking out, and you get Shax in the corridor, and she jumps at him to like claw his face off, and he just catches her by the neck like a cat, right? <laughs> just like I love it out. that. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> She's like, raw, raw, raw. <laughs> and you could just hear him thinking, "It's okay, honey. It's okay." <laughs> So I love Shax and Taana together. Honestly, I'm I'm with you, Paul. I want more Taana, man. Um, I want more Shax too. Like I just his, you know, his favorite thing being ejecting the warp core. I just love that kind of energy. That like reckless. Oh my god, this is what I'm gonna I'm gonna live life to my fullest. Taana just kind of always feels like she's a little bit unhinged, which is hilarious for somebody in the medical <laughs> profession. <laughs> so, um, uh, I dug the episode overall i'll say uh the twin stuff i really especially dug um it's not like a 10 or anything like that for me but i i'm gonna i'm gonna go like a solid eight i feel like if the first third had been better i could have bumped it up to a nine i'll stick with an eight right now
5: can i add something to oh. that eric Sure. Um, You mentioned back when we were talking about the fan score, and you mentioned somebody for Claudia who said something about a reference for the Charlie Angels. Does anybody know what she's talking about?
1: Oh, yeah. Did anybody else catch that?
5: I think it's
2: just because you had three women running around being like detectives.
1: Mm. Hmm. I wondered if there was like a pose moment or something that I missed
2: maybe there was, but i don 't think it was some big heavy hitting moment i mean i it wasn 't very memorable if it was at least not for me, but then I was never much of a charlie 's angels fan so there was knows, also kind
1: of, well there was also kind of a fun um thing about how people run on this show online i don 't know if you guys saw that, but they were talking about the the styles that people run in, and like tolin to is a total um You know, she runs like you would imagine a Borg running or you know, she's (laughs) stiff arms like the Terminator, you know, just like stiff arms, total, Hmm. like, uh, wheels run, but, um, uh, he, or Kayshawn, no, what's the guy's name, the Tamarian's name?
5: I think Uh, it's Kayshawn.
1: Is it Kayshawn? Uh, he runs like this Japanese uh, animated character, this anime character called Naruto, where he puts his arms like straight back and he puts his face forward as he runs, which is just hilarious because we've never seen Kation like life outside of Dharmakan Jalad at Tanagra. <laughs> <laughs> so to me we get little clues in lower decks to all of the idiosyncrasies of all of these kind of ancillary races that are included hmm. on the ship which I think is kind of fun you know I would I would love it if like some future live action show had a tamarian and referenced them running that way or you know came up with a reason that they do that or something I, I Star Trek is really weaving new and complex plots that kind of are 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 getting more and more interesting. And to me, having now an animated show that can serve as future cannon fodder, so to speak is amazing, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just amazing.
3: All right. Well, uh, that leaves me to wrap it up with the caboose, which I'm more than happy to do. First of all, I, the very, very beginning when the beta come on and, um, and uh what was it? Kathu goes and grabs Ransom by the butt and he says, Oh, I get off I get off at oh three hundred she's ah, you're too easy and he says, I can be vague and unavailable I was just I was just laughing so hard because that's so ransom. I just like, Wow, okay. Um and I I love what you guys said about Celine. I think she's she's like the the Spock character, like in Star Trek Four where She's funny because they're playing it the way they're playing it. She's just being a Vulcan, and it's just funny. It's just, she's a great character, and it just comes off as funny. So I really love what they're doing with Talyn. I love that she's a straight character, and I love how she tells a joke by not telling a joke. Like at the end when Mariner goes up about it, you know, and she says, "Was I getting emotional? And kind of turns it back on Mariner. I thought that was funny. I also like uh, Miglamu, how he's beating the crap out of the replicator through the whole episode. You know, phasers it, beats it up, and then at the end just kind of walks away whistling like, that wasn't me. Someone else did that. Um, yeah, so that what they've hilarious. done with that,
1: Jim, is they've taken the psychologist on the ship, and they've made him the one with the most issues, which, of course, <laughs> yeah. for anybody in therapy is hilarious, right? You,
3: like you can imagine. <laughs> it was <good. laughs> and, i got to say, last week I made a comment about uh, where in the hell is Jennifer. They've written her off the show completely, uh, which is unfortunate, but they replaced her with Helene. But guess what? Jennifer was on the ship. We saw her in the background of all the scenes in the bar. So Jennifer is still there. Uh, She doesn't have any speaking roles, and I guess she broke up with Mariner, I guess. I don't know. But she's still there which is really cool. So that's that's a plus for me. I love the Romulans at the end, Well, let's go lurk over in Section 87. I thought that was a riot. And I just, I enjoyed, I just, I enjoyed the episode. I laughed when Mariner's locked in the closet with Talin. And have you guys noticed on on Lower Decks, they bleep out all the swearing and they swear a lot on Lower Decks? Lately. Yeah. Yeah. But on Discovery... (laughs) On Discovery and Picard, they will swear, but on Lower Decks, they won't. And I read a whole article about it, and I think, I think that bleeping, it makes it funnier, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Tahana's going off, bleep, 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 bleep. It's like you don't need to hear it to know what she's saying, and it's funny as hell. And mm-hmm. uh, when when Mariner is in there saying, well, well, Spock's dad had it, and he's just bulking as the motherfucker. And then to Lynn says the same thing, I cracked up laughing. I never laughed so hard. I was like, I can just imagine Spock saying that to Kirk, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed the episode. I, I, I really did. And like I said last week, Star Trek doesn't always have to be serious. It can be fun. And they, they can make fun of themselves and still be enjoyable, and this episode was right there. I really enjoyed it, and I like how they, like Paul said, they tied it right back in to the ship that's destroying other ships. So we're going to get to that. Episode six is on tonight. We'll talk about that next week, so we only have four episodes left to wrap that up, so I think, like Paul said, I think we're going to start seeing that nameless ship come more into the storyline. I did enjoy... I didn't enjoy it, but you know Boyne was with the security guy. and I did like, you know how they're like, well we don't just run around feasting people, you know, and I I kind of I, I thought that that you know that was a fun especially who was the character that was reading the Warp slam poetry couldn't catch her name
1: I didn't uh, I didn't catch her name yeah I didn't catch her name I, either but I the fact I that they bothered. were doing that they were doing that, Jim, to take care of Boimler, right? That was, like, the whole reason that they were doing it, which is hilarious because that fits into that whole, like, Shax family, baby bear sort of, like, Shax Shax is the mama bear and he feels his yeah. security team are his babies that he has to keep, keep track of that he has to protect, that he cares deeply for, I think and I always love characters who are super, super grumpy who care deeply for people, <laughs>
3: And that just him. like
1: resonates
3: well, with me. And when he well, says, when, when, you... when he says, "Oh, I think the warm milk that we gave her will yeah. calm her down," <laughs>
5: he knows his gal. He knows her well.
3: And that character that was reading the slam poetry—they said her name. I should have written it down. I don't remember it. But the, the Betazoids were reading people's minds, and that's how they were kicking ass because they knew what they were going to do. And she goes up there, and she's just standing there thinking about her slam poetry and just stepping out of the way so the Betazoid can't read her mind because she's doing slam poetry. And I just thought, wow, that, that's, that's hilarious because she's, she's using kind of like reverse psychology on the beta so i i enjoyed that too so overall i'm i'm going to give this one in in honor of paul i'm going to give it a 9.5 <laughs> 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 so uh how, how close did we come to our fans charles well this
4: is actually interesting <clears throat> the fans beat us this time because the fans gave us an 8.6, we gave it an
3: 8.6. A what? You cut it's out there, the Charles,
1: an 8.1. 8.46. 8.4, so that's almost an 8.5, so we're like a tenth lower.
4: <laughs> so
0: that's yeah,
1: cool. I
3: call it an 8.5.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's pretty spot on.
3: Not too shabby not too shabby at all so uh guys there was a very short trek that dropped last wednesday and it was written by a friend of the show aaron walkie who uh is the, the head writer on star trek prodigy and i got to tell you guys that after i saw this short trek and i saw the prodigy character show up i immediately messaged him and i said aaron the fact that prodigy is Back in Star Trek again. Can I read anything into that? And he gave me a very cryptic answer. And I got to tell you, cryptic is better than just no. Cryptic is always good. Cryptic means something is brewing somewhere. I can't tell you about it. It means hope. It means hope. uh, Yeah, that means hope. So that that's a good thing. So very short treks, uh, holograms all the way down aired last wednesday and uh i'm gonna we're gonna listen to it right now it's only uh two minutes long it's a, it's an extremely very super short track actually and here it is for you guys that didn't get a chance to watch it Signed and Earth-safe. It's been a long road,
2: but I think it'll be smooth sailing from here on out. Computer, freeze program. You were right, Deanna. These historical hollow programs are exactly what I needed to relax and clear my head. think I'm finally ready to
3: talk with Captain Picard.
5: Computer, freeze program.
3: See? A perfect fake. If you want to win a war, you'll need some convincing
4: propaganda. For the right price, of course. I'll even throw in a
3: keychain and half off root beer floaties.
0: Computer, freeze
4: program.
1: That's how we got the Romulans into the Dominion War? <laughs> Man, this is way cooler than Boimler's Kurt Gorn friends or something more fan fiction sims I found in his personal
0: files. Computer, freeze program.
5: Honestly, I thought this would be educational. But there's very little to learn from here, I'm afraid. Computer, pause reckoning. By the great bird of the
2: galaxy, I've had enough of this nonsense. I swear it's a practical joke for all over again. Computer, freeze program. Computer, end simulation. Computer, pause, holo novel. (sighs) That's enough silly stories for one night.
1: (sighs) Good night, computer.
3: Computer, end playback. What the, are we real or part of the hologram?
0: Something is not right. Computer, freeze program.
3: You are the computer.
4: Who are
0: you talking
3: about? All right, Eric, what did our Facebook fans think about this episode of Very Short Trek?
1: Well, top fan Sarita Taub said a nine, a true mashup to be sure. Michael Wilson said a 10 out of 10. Just like everything else Aaron Waltke has written, the man does not miss. Ooh. Hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. Thanks, Michael. Jason Harden gave it a 10 out of 10. Peter Makovites gave it a 5. Nicole Eschler gave it a 10. This is what, this one was awesome. Features a lot of Trek people and even had Lower Decks and Prodigy. We'll be curious to see what the last one will be like. Top fan Jim Pence said eight. They seem to be getting better. This was a good one and much better than the last one. Scott Vela said a seven. It wasn't funny, but it was actually more enjoyable than the juvenile ones. Top fan John Stanton said nine. Funniest one yet. The first one was time deaf. The second was better but overly reliant on potty humor, the third is easily the best. Hopefully this trend will continue. Troy R. Stuhl gave it a 8. An 8. This one was a lot of fun. And top fan Liam Astle said a 7. At least it was better than the last one. <laughs> and there's a theme. <laughs> uh, that guy gives us a fan score for this very short track. Of 8.3, and I feel like that's very respectable. Uh, is is that our best score so far? It feels like that's right up there. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah that's
1: the, the, much the, higher.
3: Yeah, The very short treks have been bad.
1: That's that last week was bad. like the only trek that we've ever rated that was in that two range.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've ever gotten that low. But, you know, it's all part of that grand conspiracy that we're part of. Yep. All right. So let's see uh David you want to get us started on this one? Huh?
5: Oh <clears throat> yeah sure. Um well it was very short. I'm done. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one? I barely remembered cuz when you mentioned um did you watch the short track, I thought you meant uh last Wednesday. I didn't realize it was last last Wednesday. So, um this one I had to quickly get on YouTube while you were playing it and kinda of watch it along. So um <laughs> this one was okay. I, I did like the, the theme where it was just like constantly going from one uh franchise to the uh, one series to the next and uh it was it was interesting but I, I, someone correct me. Did TOS even have holodecks?
3: <laughs> they had a well, they, rec room.
5: Yeah. Okay.
3: Which
1: they which they referenced.
5: Okay. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I to me I, it was okay. It wasn't the best one. I mean, next week, of course, is definitely my favorite, but uh, this one in particular. Eh, it was better, definitely way better than the other one. Let's just put it that way. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, this one was very short. Uh, I'm gonna give it a very, 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 very short. Uh, let's say <laughs> <laughs> very long time to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give this one about a, a six point eight.
3: 6.8. All right. 6.8.
5: Well,
1: I got tell you. <laughs> just like there's steam coming out of it. As opposed
3: here. to a 6.7
2: <laughs> or a 6.9 because it's subtle degrees of variation between those It is. Those
1: termos,
0: it is, man. Right? It, it is. It, it, it is. is. Okay. It is. Wow.
2: Some people, are, it's, it's like technical. people
1: who can tell the difference between a Merlot and a and a cab just by tasting it, right? It's like.
2: Uh, it's complicated. No. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> It's
3: very complicated. you were playing, but no, you're wrong. But <laughs> you know, I gotta say that seeing <laughs> nx one again was was a lot of fun, and seeing seeing Trip and having the, him voiced by this, the actor was was great. And the, when he says the line, "It's been a long road," I I lost it. I'm like, "Wow, there you go," you know. And and then leading into Deanna Troy and uh, Riker uh, in what unarguably is the worst season finale of any Star Trek series ever made, and they referenced it in that in this episode. Um, and then, of course, it's a fake from Deep Space Nine. They squeezed in some Tendi. They got in some Sulu, voiced by George himself. They got in some Prodigy, which really got me going. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah uh i i overall i i I think it could have been longer because it was it, it, just when you were starting it, it was it felt too short, but boy, oh boy, was it better than the crap that we've had to endure? I gotta tell you, Aaron Walkie knows his Star Trek and he knows his references, and he crammed a lot into two minutes. he really did, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think I'm gonna go a little bit higher than than David did. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna go with a six point eight. I'm not even gonna go with a six point nine. I think I'm gonna go with an oh, that 8. 8.4. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, So who wants to jump in here next? Charles, you wanna jump in next?
4: All right, I think there's not a whole lot to add to it. I like the references. I thought the Prodigy characters looked a little flat.
1: I think that's because Charles. I they really... literally, they. If you look, they don't even move. They were like, they were like cutouts of figures from the show, and they they're not <laughs> even animated at all. They're just kind of like there. <laughs>
4: yeah, that's why they felt flat as said... they were.
3: <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. They were clip Which... art.
4: Which I wish they'd done just a little bit more with that. But that I think I'll go with an eight point five. It was good. But I just wish they'd done a little bit more character with the project group and made it just a little longer.
3: All right. How about you, Eric?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you guys. I dug this one overall. I like the inception nature of it, right? Where you kept kind of like zooming out, zooming out, zooming out, zooming out, and you never knew when you were going to finally get to reality. So that, that feels like it actually almost has a story in it, you know, in two minutes, which I think is really cool. I love that it ends with Neelix in bed. That just, uh, you know, I, I love Neelix as a character as everybody knows and so to have him in there was really cool. I'm with you, Jim, seeing the NXO one at the beginning. I kind of freaked out a little bit. I thought it was gonna be a whole bunch more NXO one, but for that for that moment, you know, you got to see Travis Mayweather at the helm and you got to see Reed in the background, and you got to see Trip talking, so I I I dug that. Um yeah, all the references really cool. Can't really add too much more to that. So uh, I loved this short, short track. Definitely my favorite one. I'm going to give it
2: uh, an eight. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah.
3: All right, Paul, that leaves you to bring
2: up the caboose, buddy. <laughs> All right, Holmes, will do. Uh, I enjoyed this, right? I mean, Waldy's great, and he's very clever, and uh, I, I, he put a good uh, package together here. To me, this felt like a Matryoshka, right? The Russian nesting doll right we well, take one apart and oh there's another and then you take another one apart and, oh there's another one and so that kind of you know reveal within reveal within reveal like those uh little nesting uh dolls that we have there um i enjoyed it um it, it was more of a premise than a story really you know as far as it goes it was just more like the the series of reveals but no real through line of a story as such right but Huge uh, points for me because uh, uh, Aaron wasn't tempted to go down the scatological road that so many of these other short treks have done in just such grotesque and infantile ways and previous weeks, uh, especially Worst Contact episode three, which if I never see again, it'll never be too soon. Um, That was just a, a complete horror show. Um, but I don't really feel it had much of an ending. I, it just sort of ended and stopped. I don't really feel that the Neelix thing was an ending as such because it just seemed kind of like, and we're done. And so, uh, you know, I would have liked to. I, I tend to be, you know, like a little bit more of a a full narrative, even if it's a short thing, but just, you know, a through line to follow. But I thought that it was just the cleverness of the idea and the the fact that it, unlike some of these, uh, the the main thing you get here is affection for the material, right? And to me, that carries a lot of uh, a lot of weight, uh, you know. As opposed to like, you know, the the one this week, uh, yeah. We'll get to that next week, but uh, uh,
0: it's
2: like the folks making these sometimes don't seem like they're really genuinely fond of what it is they're depicting they seem like they are kind of uh you know more having a, they're not laughing with it they're laughing at it uh, which I don't really dig and Aaron well, does I mean do I think y- yeah and you
1: got to like ask yourself what is the like what do you think uh Paul is the actual purpose of the very short tracks like why why did they even make them
2: I think the purpose was so that they could uh, laugh at how clever they were in the hipster bar on La Brea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's what I think it was, right? But but, and you know, hey, we got paid to write these things. What should we do? I don't know. Order some more Cosmopolitans. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Um. I I I don't think there's a lot much more going on beyond that, really. I I just these seem like they're way too, you know, uh, cleverer than thou, Uh, or at least they think they are and uh, it definitely I, I think they're a little out of touch with the audience for the most part this week being the exception i think to that um so so yeah i still i would i would definitely give it an 8 though absolutely um you know cuz it was just so much fun and it was done in a respectful and entertaining way and uh, thanks aaron for uh, avoiding diarrhea and other grotesque uh things that your 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 peers were unable to stay away from so. <laughs> That's it. Eight for me. 8.000. Zero, um,
3: zero, zero. They they got every Star Trek series in except Strange New World. I didn't see a Strange New Worlds reference in there. Or Voyager. Well, Neolix is from Voyager.
5: Oh, all yeah, right, that's
3: right. Okay. <laughs> yep, they got them all in there, but Strange New Worlds.
5: Uh, so actually, Heather
3: was in there. Was Hammer in there?
1: Hammer was in there. There was that, like, two-thirds of the way through. There's a couple of quick panels where oh, yeah. Shamu and Hammer both get go by. They don't really – nothing really happens, but just, it's, he's on screen for, like, three and a half seconds.
3: Well, okay, and then I stand corrected. All right, Charles, what, is, what does that put us with our fans? Well, the fans I actually
4: looked at a little better than we did. 8.3. We can give it 7.9. All right. There you have
3: it, guys. All right. Well, this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthday. Well, well, so oh, alleyway. my God. Error.
2: Hell, <laughs> Error. Night, Error. Painting, Error. Today, those <laughs> <Your laughs> third are uncoordinated so got
0: a lot of area pop chow or so got
1: a lot of great chow or
3: so got a lot of great so that was not a clean on song you know weird Al just loves to jump in there you got to watch that guy every minute i'm telling you he's 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 just Brutal, brutal. Anyways, this is a part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and we always start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
1: Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to remember nine members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor Arthur Bernard. Arthur Bernard was the stage name of Arthur Friedman, who played Appella in the TOS second season episode, A Private Little War. Uh, in 1948, Bernard began his 42-year tenure as a professor at the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television, which lasted, of course, until 1990, which I thought was an interesting fact about him. He taught courses in acting and directing for film and television. He's probably more famous than that uh, for that than he was for his actual acting, uh, but he did do some writing and producing and directing for radio, television, and the stage along the way. Uh, his very last performance that we saw him actually on screen was in 2001. In fact, he he died almost immediately after this show. It was really sad. He had just completed filming an appearance as an elderly jogger in the 2001 comedy The Animal, which was his only feature film credit. So Arthur Bernard, uh, born September 29, 1919, would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Arthur. Happy birthday as well to actor Abram Sofair uh abraham Sofer was a veteran character actor who played the facian in the tos first season episode charlie x and voiced the Melcott in the third season episode specter of the gun uh, abraham is one of our uh, 19th century births uh, from the tos years he was born in ni- 1896 um, and he was Uh, Born to Burmese Jewish parents, which kind of gave him sort of a a darker skin tone, which then later in his career would actually get him cast as a lot of uh, Native Americans and other brown-skinned people along the way. He had a particular propensity for playing in uh, science fiction stuff because he was in The Outer Limits, Time Tunnel, Lost in Space, Twilight Zone, uh, shows like that. Uh, He also, along the way, was a one-time school teacher, and switched gears to acting uh, after a short time made his stage debut uh, of course in shakespeare's the merchant of venice um, known as abe to his good friends Uh, he was uh, the father of six children along the way which i think is so cool so abraham so fair managed to balance an amazing acting career with an amazing family life Uh, lived to be the ripe old age of 91 years old happy birthday abraham Happy birthday as well to actor Charles Drake. Charles Drake was born Charles Rupert, and he was the actor who played Commodore Stalker in the TOS second season episode, The Deadly Years. Drake appeared in nearly 80 featured films. He began primarily as a background extra and bit player, making brief appearances in classics like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Sergeant York, and The Maltese Falcon, of course from 1941. Uh, he soon began taking larger supporting roles in films like the 1953 science fiction classic It Came From Outer Space and 1957's Until They Sail. But his most well-known film role is by far uh, Dr. Sanderson in, in the 1950 comedy Harvey, uh, one of my favorites. I just showed it to my family the other day. Uh, my, my, my teenager loved it, actually. It was kind of funny. Charles Drake uh, would have had a birthday just October 2nd this week, Happy birthday, Charles, as well to the beautiful and amazing Persis Kambada. Uh, She, of course, was the Indian model and actress who played Ailea uh, and the Ailea probe, I guess, if you want to sort of separate that as a different character, in Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, the bald one who you're thinking of right now. She was, of course, born in Mumbai, India, and started her career at a, Very young age, uh, 13 years old, when she was hired for advertisements for a soap brand. Um, Then just a few years later, when she was 17 years old, she would be named Miss India and participate in that year's Miss Universe pageant. she sort of tried to break into the film stuff outside of the Bollywood scene because I guess she didn't really dig on the Bollywood scene too much, but she had to actually go international to do that. When she did go international, she uh, got a few major roles in sort of uh, you know B movies along the way, Nighthawks, Megaforce, and Warrior of the Lost World. Uh, never really found deep success, and then eventually returned to India to establish herself. As a Bollywood actress, so. Uh, Nighthawks
2: is a bomb. Nighthawks is it, such a great movie.
1: Is it a good movie? I haven't seen that movie in such a long. Nineteen eighty-one is when that came out, and I just yeah, haven't dude, seen it in such a long one time. One of
2: the cool Rutger Hauer movies ever. It's just right. great. Yeah, I'm have she's to great to
1: that's amazing. All right, well, thanks for thanks for mentioning that. Um, so, Persis Kabata would have had a birthday also October 2nd. She was born in 1948, and we just lost her when she was 49 years old in 1998. Damn. Very sad um, just to be lost so early. So, happy birthday, Persis. Happy birthday as well to Madeline Rue, uh, the amazing Madeline Rue, born Madeline Solomon. She was a prolific character actress who portrayed Lieutenant Marla McGivers in the TOS First season episode, Space Seed, Marla McGirvers, of course, eventually falling in love with
3: Gone
1: and that whole situation there. Uh, Madeline Rue not only played that, she made over a 100 appearances on television along the way, uh, including appearances on shows like Have Gun, Will Travel, The Untouchables, Gunsmoke, Hawaii Five-O, Man from U.N.C.L.E., Mission Impossible, and Starsky and Hutch. She was uh, some kind of like cool Ricardo Montalban stuff about her. In 1960, prior to Star Trek, she was actually in a Bonanza episode with Ricardo Montalban, and then years later, after Star Trek, she was actually in an episode of Fantasy Island with him as well. So just kind of a cool like little trifecta of connections there between Madeline Rue and. Ricardo Montalban, Uh, eventually Madeline was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and she actually continued to act after that, uh, which I thought was super cool, making her final on-screen appearance uh, in 1996 and we lost her in 2003. So happy birthday, October 3rd, 1935, to Madeline Rue. Happy birthday as well to actor John Hoyt. He was a veteran actor of film, television, and theater who portrayed our very first doctor we ever get to see, Phil Boyce, in TOS's first uh, pilot, The Cage. Or as I like to call him, the doctor with the martini case (laughs) that he travels with. (laughs) Pulls it out when the captain needs it. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Hoyt was born John MacArthur Hoystrat in New York and is actually or was a graduate of Yale University and was a teacher of history and stand-up comedian before joining Orson Welles Mercury Theater in 1937 where he performed with that company until World War II and after he served in the military he returned to acting uh, and began portraying a lot of uh, characters that I think you would describe as heavies you know menacing characters, uh, people maybe who were standing in the background looking like they were going to beat you up when you didn't agree with what their boss was saying. By the time of his retirement in 1987, he had built up nearly 250 screen credits. Um, so just one of these guys who started out in Broadway and then um, really just had an amazing, prolific career. And I love Phil Boyce, honestly. Like he, he to me, he's the proto bones. He's the doctor that, like, understands his captain and gives his captain what he needs. And I would have loved to have seen a a Phil Boyce um, character continue. And honestly, if Phil Boyce shows up on Strange New Worlds, I would not be unhappy. So actor John Hoyt would have had a birthday just today, October 5th, 1905. Happy birthday, John Hoyt. Happy birthday as well to George Vincent Homeyer, also known as Skip, to his friends and most of the in- industry, honestly. Uh, he was the actor who played Melicon in the TOS second season episode, Patterns of Force, and also played Dr. Severin in the third season episode, The Way to Eden. Herbert, Herbert, <laughs> Herbert, Herbert. Say computer and Herbert. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Outside of Star Trek, Iron co-starred in such films as *The Gunfighter*, one of his many many westerns with uh, Ethan Peck's uh, grandfather, right, Gregory Peck. Uh, *The Ghost of Mr. Chicken*. He was in that. Uh, he was in *Helter Skelter*. A couple other movies along the way, but most of his credits were made up of westerns and war films along the way. Um, he phased out his uh, his career and he retired completely following a featured role in the western film. Quell & Company in 1982, and little was heard from him until his death uh, after that, until uh, in 2017. So, uh, lived to be 86 years old, but was pretty quiet in his later years. Happy birthday uh, this week, just today, October 5th, to Skip Hohmeyer. Happy birthday as well to Ed Long, who played Midro in the TOS third season episode, The Cloudminders. Uh, just a handful of credits to Ed's name. Uh, he in, appeared in uh, other shows, such as The Fugitive, Mannix. He was on the original Batman series for an episode. Uh, he was in Bonanza, Gunsmoke, and the TV movie Slither Ed Long. And last but certainly not least, we have uh, the birthday of Harriet C. Leiter. Harriet C. Leiter was the actress who portrayed Amory in the TNG fifth season episode Unification 2. If you don't remember who she is, it's okay. She's the four-handed salt-sucking pianist in the bar on Quelar 2. Now you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. (laughs) Leiter also appeared on the television series The Commish. Uh, She was on Married with Children, My So-Called Life, and Time of Your Life. Among her film credits are supporting roles in the comedy Torch Song Trilogy, uh, the drama for parents only, and a thriller called Dream Lover. We lost Harriet uh, way too young as well. She was born in 1944, died in 2004 at the age of 59 years old. So Harriet C. Leiter. Happy birthday today, October 5th, and that, you guys, does it for our remembrances this week. So I'm going to take this birthday candle, which is burning not low yet, but uh, we better get a move on here, Charles.
4: All right, thanks, Eric. Well, I'm not going to add a whole lot to the candle. Let's say happy birthday to Shay Astor, the actress and singer who played Isabella in Trek Next Generation. This season episode, Imaginary Friend. Happy birthday to William A. Wallace. Actor played the role of Wesley Crusher at the age 25 in the Star Trek Next Generation first season episode, Hide and Q.
1: That, by the way, Charles, that's one of the best um, trivia questions that you can have in your arsenal from TNG years. If somebody is like, uh, you know, oh, I'm an expert on TNG. I've seen them all. Ask them who the other actor was that played Wesley Crusher and they'll look at you like they have no idea what you're talking
4: about (laughs) and the reason a lot of the mic people I'm doing not really doing backgrounds they didn't have all the backgrounds a lot of them did maybe 20 or 30 shows and that was it happy birthday to ST Chandler who played Oleana Marine in Star Trek next generation first season episode coming of age Happy birthday to Hannah Chessman, Canadian actress who played the role of Arium in the second and third season of Star Trek Discovery. As Jim Posey said, oh, she was in the second season. But she appeared in the third season because she played the Miriam, the Mirier, Miri, M- Mirror Arium.
1: Miriam? There you go.
4: Yeah. Buster one's another one who, surprisingly, didn't have a lot of roles, but is well-known. A very happy birthday to accomplished stage, television, and film actor. Best known for his role as Benjamin Sisko in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So we're saying a very happy birthday to Avery Brooks. I thought it interesting when I looked at his IMDb and it's like, oh, we attend Star Trek festivals, like the one in New Zealand. It's like, well, that might be the only one because we have not seen him on stage for many years. I don't think I've seen him at all on stage. I think he he's a professor at the, at the college that he works with. And I think that's where he spent a lot of time. He did have a couple of big roles in the 70s or 80s, but we know him well for Cisco. Anybody want to comment on Avery Brooks?
1: Man, talk about a, a different kind of cap remember when Deep Space Nine came out and that first episode happens and not only do you get the like chip on his shoulder with Picard situation but then you get the like magic of him and Jake and the relationship that they're gonna form over the course of the series I I, it's no secret on the podcast that DS9 is my favorite Star Trek and I think Avery Brooks is a huge huge part of that Um, he is a distinguished alumni of Rutgers and he does still teach I believe, theater at the Mason Gross School of the Arts. Um, but yeah, it man, wouldn't it be cool to like see him on stage or to like oh, hear him talk so powerful, about some stuff man. or like, yeah. I just
2: so powerful.
1: What I, I, I like about he, that
2: character the most yeah. is just it's the first time that we really have seen in a, in a you know, not just a throw off way, but a captain who is a father. And, yeah. and that is, is yeah. almost, is it's it's almost a more important role yeah. for him to fulfill than captain, right? To do a good job of being a father to somebody in a realistic way that parents could relate to. I just thought that was just incredibly cool. And did you guys ever watch uh, Spencer? Spencer? Spencer for, for hire? hire. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's like, yeah, because Hawk. before he was cast, Hawk. Avery Brooks was Hawk on that show, right? And he was such a badass. I mean, he was just brutal. It was just like, if you needed something done or needed somebody threatened or intimidated or need someone to come across, you just sent Hawk over, right? And when I remember when everyone heard that's who they cast as the starship captain, it was such a <laughs> cool choice, right? I'm like, he's going to just rip the place up because he's got one of those centrist, you know, Shakespearean voices that just like, you know, get out of his way, man. Just get out of his way. He is just brilliant. So yeah, it, uh, I I just don't think he gets the credit he deserves. He's a towering presence in Star Trek. Well, well with
4: that, I will well pass said. the candle over to Paul.
2: <laughs> okay, deep breath. Okay, well, we got all kinds of birthdays going on, so we better get to it, right? First of all, a happy birthday goes out to German-born British actress Antoinette Bauer. And we were talking about Halloween earlier, right? Well. Antoinette Bauer played Sylvia in the original series, second season episode "Cat's Ba, right? The infamous Halloween episode. Very, very cool. Of course, when you find out what <laughs> Sylvia really is, it's pretty <laughs> disturbing. It's like, it's like uh, I liked you better in your slinky dress, but not so much now, right? Happy birthday also goes out to the the fabulous Stephen Collins, who a lot of people know from the uh, uh, the ongoing TV series of, you know, I, I want to say something ridiculous like 10, 11 seasons, 7th Heaven. And, of course, we're talking mm-hmm. about Stephen Collins, right, who we all know uh, for playing uh, the role of uh, Will Decker, snubbed for command because of the... Uh, Pickish move of ego On the half of uh, Captain Kirk And uh, you know But he gets to hang out with Elias for a while So it's okay I'm sure he can you know Find a a way of getting around that And uh, it was one of those things that people You know debated a bit But in the uh, in the novelization of Star Trek, the motion picture, it's pretty clearly established that Will Decker was meant to be the son of Commodore Matt Decker, of course, yeah. who you know perished in Doomsday Machine. So um, I thought that was really, really cool. And because I love that tie in there, um, I wish they had been able to explore that, you know, of a son who's lost his father in such a crazy way. You know, that would have been a really cool ongoing character. But sadly, he didn't get to continue beyond that. Uh, One role, but I think fans like him, and I think he was very cool. This next one is uh, we talk about admirals a lot of the show. And uh, to me, this is a good one because it's a very realistic uh, admiral. Um, We are loving actress uh, Natalia Nogulik because she played the recurring character of Admiral Aliana Nechev in both series, uh, Next Gen and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So a whole bunch of episodes. But um, I love the fact that uh, that uh, Nechev is one of those ones, you can tell Picard's a little intimidated by her, right? Because he knows that she's a hard ass and that she's going to insist on like following orders and doing what the greater good is. When you appeal to her with reason and a, and a good reason, she'll change her mind. Right. But, but she's, she toes the line. And she's, so I think, uh, would you agree, Eric, uh, a good, absolutely. Oh, ad- yeah.
1: Absolutely. One of the, one of our very best admirals that we have in all of Star Trek, for sure.
2: But realistic, just because she's, you know, she's, I yeah. like the fact that, that, you know, she did not even remotely get, let gender get in the way of her interpretation of the performance. Well, she's yeah. And like-
1: she's, and like you said, Paul, she's all business. Like there's this one um, line, uh, what is it? It's from, it's, I think it's from like dissent or something, where she's like, she's like, listen, your duty is to the Federation, not to wrestle with your conscience. Like, just freaking follow orders and do what you're told to do. And that, like, that is what yeah. Admiral needs to be every once in a while when Picard's like, I don't know, what should I do?
2: Yeah, because we're it's, there's you know situations of war and the greater good and and it's just like you know what what protects all of our interests not your immediate ones right so she's it's like she's that kind of hardcore conscience that you have you know you might not like her in the in the moment but you know at the end of the day you probably will really respect her and i think that's a an incredible role model um for people so moving on we have all kinds still going on uh hello and happy birthday to michelle kursaik uh taiwanese american actress who played 18 year old molly o'brien in the Deep Space Nine, I want to say six-season episode, Time's Orphan. Very, very cool. love to see these characters get interpreted in different ages in different ways. Bridget Ann White from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who we are liking, who played Laurel in Deep Space Nine's six-season episode, Who Mourns for Mourn. <laughs> <laughs> We are also saying happy birthday up north to Canadian actor, writer, and artist Duncan Rager, who played Ronan in the Next Generation seventh season episode. Oh yeah, Sub Rosa, light that candle, baby.
1: <laughs> one of our very favorite
2: episodes to uh,
1: discuss. Maybe. I, I have think, I recently
2: <laughs> seen. Yeah, I have recently seen though. Guess who else turned into one of their favorite episodes? Um, Gates McFadden will sign your uh, crazy Sub Rosa candle if you <laughs> present one to her at uh, at a con, right? And she will sign oh, it, man. smoke it, and she is not shy of uh, expressing her affection for that. So I think it's you know that. was something she came to 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 learn to uh, to light. But you gotta love that character. I mean, Ronan's great. He's totally from the the gothic romance universe, but he just played it in such a cool way. Um, then he went on to play uh, Shakar Adon on deep space nine uh, in three different episodes, Shakar crossfire and the begotten Duncan Ragar, cool Canadian actor, writer and artist who is an indelible part of star Trek. And uh, I think, I I, you've got nothing but love for Sub Rosa. Sorry. And then finally for me, uh, happy birthday goes out to Jane Edwina Seymour, played the Borg Queen in Trek: Picard, third season episodes of Vox and The Last Generation. And we say played the Borg Queen. We're really talking about the, the physicality interpretation because the character was voiced by the great Alice Krieger. Of course, who owns Borg Queendom for all time, but uh, a wonderful ability to really create a performance together uh, that the two of them did. So well done, Jane Edwina Seymour, uh, and wonderful gift to fans of Star Trek with that last season of Picard. I just got that on Blu-ray this week, and I can't wait to dig into it. I'm super excited to revisit those episodes because
3: some of them were just stellar. Right, Uncle Jim? Absolutely. And resistance is futile. I've got four more birthdays to go, got some pretty good ones, and then we're going to dive into Star Trek news, and we've got some really fun stories I want to get to. First of all, we want to say happy birthday to Elizabeth Dennehy who played Elizabeth Shelby in Star Trek The Next Generation's third and fourth season episodes, The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and Part 2, and she reprised the role on Star Trek Card's third season episode, Fox, which Paul was just talking about. Happy birthday, Elizabeth Senehy. We also want to say happy birthday to Ideal Hassoun, who was the Indian actor who played Idea Sahil in Star Trek Discovery's third season episode, That Hope Is You, Part 1, People of the Earth. And that hope is you, part two. We also derail the actor from Brooklyn, New York, who played Hazar, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, second season episode, Sanctuary, and I always save the Klingons for last. So we want to say kapla, well, or maybe Jolan True, or a combination of a kapla to Jennifer Gotti, who played the role of Bial, Star Trek The Next Generation, sixth season episode. Birthright Part 1 and Birthright Part 2, and she also appeared as Libby in the Star Trek Voyager second season episode, Non-Sequitur, and this is the character that was half Romulan, half Klingon. Worf fell in love with her, had a fling, but just couldn't deal with the cultural differences and left her behind. That's because
1: Worf is a racist, and we all know that's true.
3: Every time I'm with
4: you, I
2: see your mother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, cannot he can't even help know. it.
1: It's like part of his culture or something. It's just like I love the guy, but man, he is so straight up racist, and he has a
2: hard time dealing with it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> is it, yeah. You know, he grew a lot, but boy, did they uh, do they really program those kids? I'll tell you yeah. what. Right. Yeah. Did you say Jolan Capla? Uh, Jolan Capla, kind of?
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I think like that's that. a keeper.
2: I like that yeah. man. Let's, let's uh, put a post-it note on that, Jim. Let's hang on to that. Uh, so quick, you know,
1: quick, get the domain name. <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> hurry, <laughs> hurry. <laughs> hey, it,
2: it would be, be a, a profitable chain through, of though. burger oh. emporium.
1: <laughs> Jolan
3: Capla <Kupal> burgers, <laughs> <laughs> fresh garlic on every burger. <laughs> great, great character though. <laughs> And Worf was a dink in that episode. I want to. Yeah, add. he blew it. And she was a great. You could have been very happy. Yep. She didn't deserve. She and she and the thing that made her such a great character, she didn't understand what Worf's problem was with her. She just didn't see it. She couldn't see it, and Worf just slapped guys. Well, it's time for Star Trek news. Priority
5: one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Blank alert. Black
3: alert. Okay, Charles, you get to start us off this week. Okay, well, I guess I need to
4: go look at my Kindle. <clears throat> Star Trek Halloween is number one is the franchise is the franchise's darkest horror story yet star trek halloween number one is written by chris
3: sicaria
4: sicaria and drawn by joe isma set during star trek next Generation, next Generation seventh season Enterprise begins experiencing odd phenomena after passing through a galactic storm. And when the crew members start going missing, Picard and company realize something is amiss. Fear, distrust, and paranoia begin running through the rampage of the ship as order breaks down. Picard must struggle not only to maintain control of the Enterprise, but take the ship back from the dark forces that have laid siege to it. The crew of the Enterprise have known fear before, but never like this. Star Trek's attempt at telling horror stories in the past were always grounded in real world, where everything could be explained away with scientific jargon. And Halloween continues this, but ramps up the darkness and dread. Far from a one-off romp, Halloween's main villain will be familiar to longtime Star Trek fans. And here they are, they're most terrifying. Star Trek Halloween 1, it not only plays around with tropes and characters from horror films, such as Frankenstein's monster, but also from Star Trek's generally, namely the now iconic holodeck malfunctions. Numerous Trek episodes have evolved around holodeck malfunctions. But Halloween makes up for the revis- revisiting this idea by pulling no punches in the dark possibilities it creates. While not for the faint of heart, Star Trek Halloween 1 is still enormously satisfying to read and the franchise's darkest take on a horror yet. Star Trek Halloween episode is on sale October 4th from ID Publishing. Which means it released on shelves yesterday.
1: Charles, I, I love that them. number I love that number one is out. I personally am waiting for that variant cover of number two, which is a beautiful, beautiful JK Woodward painting of Riker turning into some kind of werewolf. It looks
4: awesome. And nice to see JK back because I don't think we've seen a lot of his work recently at IDW. At least one Star Trek.
1: It's true, and there was a special thing that he actually posted on his um, his I think his Instagram page or something where he said that he actually took the original of that painting and took it to a con and got it signed by Jonathan Frakes. And he's like, guess who's never selling this original? <laughs> it's yeah. one of his coolest paintings, man. I
3: love it. Well, guys, I got the next story and uh, <laughs> Space Rhapsody episode of, of Strange New Worlds. Why Star Trek's first musical picked K-pop over Klingon opera is explained by the songwriters. Star Trek Strange New World's musical episode of Space Rhapsody, the Klingons break out into a K-pop style choreographed musical number and not Klingon opera. Kay Hanley and Tom Pulse who wrote the songs for Star Trek's first ever musical, say they did have options for the Klingons' performance. Pulse revealed that one concept for the Klingons scene was opera, calling it a no-brainer, before crediting Hanley with the -the out-of-the-box K-pop idea and confirms that both versions were filmed for the episode. K-pop, a musical style for the Klingons, was unexpected, and that's exactly what made it the right choice. Star Trek has a long history of Klingons, singing opera existing within the universe. But K-pop puts the Klingons, led by Hammer, actor Bruce Horak, same level as the rest of the USS Enterprise crew, most of whom are embarrassed by the inner emotions that the field forces them to reveal. For the audience who want to see the more traditional take on singing Klingons, the Klingon opera version of the scene will be included in the extras on Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 Blu-ray scheduled to be released on December 5th, 2023. I just want to say real quick, I'm glad they didn't go with Klingon opera because it would have been too in character for the Klingons, and I feel that scene was perfect and put it over the edge for me as a Klingon fan. All right, Eric, you got the next one. All
1: righty. Uh, we've got a cool article here that with a little twist on a traditional saying, so to speak. Give long and prosper, a special tribute to Leonard Nimoy. Make the logical choice. Help bring the spirit of Star Trek to the museum. You may be asking which museum. This article is all about the Boston Museum of Science. We all know that Spock, the actor behind the character Leonard Nimoy, believed strongly in the importance of science, the significance of generosity, and the course of the power of logic. Before his death, Leonard Nimoy was significantly involved with the Boston Museum of Science, growing up in the area and narrating the original Mugar Omni theater pre-show, which I have personally seen. Now as a tribute to him in partnership with the Nimoy family and local sculptor David Phillips, we are raising funds to create a new Leonard Nimoy inspired memorial sculpture at Science Park. So this is at the Museum of Science there in Boston, which is, of course, at One Science Park. Uh, you, it's a really cool sculpture. It's, it's like a, a vault hand, you know, the Live Long and Prosper symbol. If you're interested in getting involved in either tracking what's going on or in donating um, to this effort, uh, you can contact donor support uh, at the email address friends at mos org. Uh, I think it's a really cool thing, and I love that uh, Boston is finally kind of like embracing the fact that uh, Leonard Nimoy was from around the way, and he deserves to be honored in in some ways. So pretty cool. So uh, Paul, I know you got some some cool prodigy news, right?
2: I'm going to talk about something that I know is both in my house and is also in Eric's house uh, in terms of a physical product and we're talking about Star Trek Prodigy season one volume two while efforts to find Star Trek Prodigy a new streaming home continue Looking at you, Aaron Waltke. Wink, wink, wink. Three months after the series was unceremoniously removed by the hipster 20-something nudniks at Paramount Plus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: the I don't sad it. They need another mojito. Uh, the remainder of the animated series' first season is finally warping home on Blu-ray and DVD. Though the second ten episodes of season one live on through digital purchase options, through iTunes and Prime Video. Actually holding a physical copy of the otherwise unavailable episodes is a welcome. Release. While the behind-the-scenes efforts to bring season two to the public trudge along silently, covertly, while Aaron Walkey drops little eyedropper fulls of mind-controlling liquid <laughs> into the... <laughs> Cocktails of studio executives and whispers, silent instructions into them. Yes, master, (laughs) we shall greenlight six more seasons. Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 Episodes 11 to 20 is a two-disc Blu-ray collection, which contains a few behind-the-scenes bonus features, along with the episodes Asylum, Let Sleeping Borg Lie, All the World to Stage, Crossroads, Masquerade, Preludes, Ghost in the Machine, Wine Walk, and the two-part Supernova season finale. As for the tree of bonus features below, here's what's included. I shall read an abridged version of these, given the small amount of time we have left. The Odyssey of Prodigy, Producing Prodigy, Producing Prodigy the Ships. And when we'll get to see the story of Dal, Gwyn, Rock Dog, Zero, Janka Bog, Murph, and Admiral Janeway continue, I don't know, but until then, we'll be revisiting this series on disc to keep the protostar saga alive. Isn't that right, Donut David?
5: <laughs> that, was kinda,
1: that was freaky, dude. <laughs>
5: okay. Very yummy donuts they were. So. You got him rattled. <laughs> So, my new little news piece here is Star Trek Lower Decks, Jack Quaid, talks how he brought Boiler to life in Strange New Worlds, and I'm in awe of of how well he did. Star Trek Strange New Worlds took a gamble in Season 2 when it decided to cross over with the animated comedy Lower Decks, but the episode was well loved by fans of both shows. We're now hearing from Jack Quaid about how he brought Bradward Boimler to life. He quotes, "Uh, (laughs) I went back and looked at a lot of Lower Decks episodes to get the Boimler down. I snuck a few things in there. He does a lot of this gesturing with hands in the show and I tried to get some of that in there I did the section 31 power walk, I got the boimler scream in there, it was cool to see how he moved and then to try to bring that into my own body, it was such a weird and trippy experience but so rewarding and so cool, unquote or in quote I mean (laughs) It speaks volumes to the fact that I didn't notice any of this, but it still felt like I was just watching Bradwood Boimler in The Living Flesh on The Enterprise. I shouldn't be surprised given that he's an absolute joy to watch on The Boys. I would have loved to see live-action version of Tendi and Rutherford episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks on Paramount Plus on Thursdays. There's a massive collection of Star Trek, uh, there's a massive collection of Trek on the platform for any fan to enjoy. So check it out and spend a day traveling through space with some of sci-fi's greatest characters. And yeah, that's pretty much what Jack Quaid did. So, Charles, do we have enough time for the next segment?
4: I think we're going to, have to throw enough time to throw this one in.
5: Because
4: I'm hoping some of you were reading it. Star Trek's Lower Deck Security Chief shined in special Star Trek Dead Blood prequel. is publishing, Star Trek Dead Blood, might have just wrapped up its acclaimed crossover event in Star Trek 12 this week. By new prequel, One Shot also dropped Wednesday, September 27th. The prequel explores exactly what checked early involvement with the clash against the power-hungry Emperor Kala's II and the Red Path Klingons before signing aboard the Cerritos in Star Trek Lower Decks. Here, we're offering a taste of the character's fearsome warrior past as it concerns a conflict portion's and monumental consequences to turn the galactic tides of the interstellar fascism and the chaos-seeking death cult. You've seen Captain Benjamin Sisko and Worf with their crews, the USS Thetos, and the USS Defiant stop the fascist god-killing clone Kalos II from declaring war on the non-followers across the galaxy in a brutal battle with KONOS but you haven't seen it from the eyes of the man, the myth, the legend, junior grade shacks. From the writers behind the best-selling Star Trek lower-decks comic series, Ryan North with steam artist Derek Charm from Jughead Marvel's The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl comes a 3 page standalone tie-in to the Star Trek Day of Blood crossover event. Star Trek... FCBD 2023, Day of Blood number one, Star Trek 11 and 12, and Defiant 6 and 7, detail the Majorans' beast mode brawl and showcase all the behind-the-scenes and zealous butt-kicking in a full animated glory. If you're not reading that series, you should be, because I had to, put a stop, I had to take a break and said, okay, no more issues yet, but, I need, I need another issue or two. The story is continuing, and I need more. It's so the one difficulty with dealing with series that it will go every few weeks. And with this, they're jumping between books. And the book's like, okay, you read Star Trek, then you've got to read Defiant. You've got to go back to Star Trek, then you've got to go back over Defiant because they're in order and it is worth the series i am thoroughly enjoying it and i can't wait to see what has happened
3: and with myself guys hard to believe isn't it that our time flies right by but it does and it did but we'll be back same bat time same bat channel next week but don't touch that dial just yet i want to say thank you to my incredibly awesome treks first though Thank you to Charles for hanging out and trek talking with us. We really appreciate it, Charles. Oh, thank you. Always fun to talking trek. And thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out and trek talking with us as well. Thank you, Eric.
1: You bet, guys. I had a blast. Thanks.
3: And thank you so much for David. Even though he didn't share the donuts with all of us, um uh-uh. we still appreciate it. Thank you, David. You're
5: welcome. <laughs>
3: You're fun. <fine. laughs> And, of course, thank you to our very own Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us as well. Thank you, Paul. Glory to your house, my friends. Glory to the death to the dirt. And, of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. And remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
2: Joel and Kabla.
3: The vlogger's (laughs) on. Joel and (laughs) Kabla. Let's see what's out there.
0: Engage. Mm